Well, we've got some special guests today, and I just want to call them all up. We've got Joel and Nathan and Caleb and Daniel and George and Sherry. And if they would, I know, George, you love being on the spot. If you would all come up so the whole church family can see you guys in person and also our guests online because the uh, we appreciate those of you who join us regularly week after week and those of you who can't be here on a Sunday morning, maybe you're on vacation or traveling but you're still connected when you're not here in person. A few years ago, we at True Life had the privilege of going to Ecuador, to Cuenca, Ecuador for a mission trip and this is our family that we uh, partner with. Lord willing, we'll be able to do that again. So let's just give them a warm welcome. Before I dismiss the kids to Kids Zone, and since I've got you up here, let's just have a word of prayer. God, I thank you for the Words family, for their commitment to you. And there's joys and there's hardships in the journey. There's joys and hardships for all of us. But God, I thank you for the, the call of God on their lives, on their family, and their surrender to you to go to a faraway place, to a people that may not hear the gospel without their presence being there. Lord, for their leadership, for their relationships that they've built. And God, for your blessing, we just pray that you pour out your blessing upon their lives and their ministry. We thank you, God, that they come this morning and are able to minister with us and be present with us in fellowship. So God, please provide for everything they need. And may they sense joy in the journey. May you strengthen them as they strengthen us. May we encourage them as they encourage us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I'm going to dismiss now the kids to Kid Zone. And kids, we're going to exit on stage left today. If you could exit this way out this door. We want to thank Kevin and Lori for taking the kids to Kid Zone. And you're going to go through that door and down that hallway and follow your leaders. And I'm going to welcome, once again, Sherry Wirtz is going to come and bring us this morning's message. Let's welcome her together. Buenos dias. Good morning. It's good to be here. We love when we get a chance to come out to the Northwest. We're from Kansas, so hot, humid, sweaty, and then back here is a great time to see sisters, family, and just enjoy God's creation out here in the Northwest. Um, how many of you have one of these at your home in your kid's backpack? You yourself have one? <laughs> Fidget toy. Uh, we recently discovered how many of these are when we went to Walmart. I didn't realize that like there's hundreds of different kinds of fidget toys. This one probably is my son's favorite. He loves figuring out Rubik's Cube. My other one loves to do the poppet and have him timed. And uh, the other one does the spinner. And so each one has kind of their favorite fidget toy. And we kind of have to ask ourselves, 
why are we such a fidgety people in need of all these fidget toys? Where's all this nervous fidgety energy come from? But guess what? It's not new. Jonah, back in the Old Testament, also was a fidgety person. He actually got caught up in the belly of a whale to try to calm his fidgety, nervous energy down a little bit. And so that's what we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, you can find your way to Jonah. It's a short book in the Old Testament in the Minor Prophets. And actually all of our fidgety energy, all of us from little kids that have ADHD or from the oldest adult, we have that because in one way or another, we've all experienced some type of trauma, maybe vicariously through all the bad news we hear. Maybe literally through the pandemic we lived through, army tours, natural disaster, job loss, abuse. But the statistics are 70% of people have gone through a traumatic experience that will lead to PTSD one day. 31% actually suffer from anxiety. And so it's a common thing, and we see it in Jonah as well. So we're going to land in Jonah today to help us learn what to do with all this fidgety, nervous energy. We recently, down in Ecuador these past couple years have had the opportunity, God's opened doors. Uh, my friend and I have a whole bag of fidget toys that we take with us because now we do these trainings in local schools and orphanages, group homes. And my friend actually is adopting an Ecuadorian daughter. She has her as a foster daughter right now. And so we're entering into that scene as well, uh, working alongside a lot of youth and teens and kids that have gone through a lot of trauma and abuse. And so we actually have our own tool bag and fidget toys as well down there. But it's a recent door God's open for us to step in down in Ecuador. And so we're going to learn from Jonah today. Uh, we're going to read Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Let's just take a minute to pause. It's always good to pause and just say, God, speak to me. I'm going to give each of you one minute of silence in your own heart. Just say, God, whatever you have for me today through Jonah, through the examples, through the pictures, please speak to me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're a God that communicates with your people. Thank you that your word is a living word that wants to go straight to our hearts and change us. So we do ask that you come and speak to each one. Meet us where we're at with what we need. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we talked about, Jonah also, to give a little background, was a trauma survivor and victim. And that's one of the reasons we'll see why he tried to run and hide from what God was telling him to go and do. Um, the place that he was called to was known for its cruelty, its abuses, its uh, prostitution, its uh, just ra ravaging through towns. It was Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire at the time. And so they were just infamous for just being the bad, bad guys. And so we'll start in Jonah 1, 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked it is. But Jonah got up and went, where? In the opposite direction, to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he had found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So we see that God's announcing, arranging with a message and mission that he's given Jonah. The message, unfortunately, for Jonah came in the form of an announcement that was 
God's going to judge you. And so that was also a little bit of Jonah's fear. He is called to go to the people that are known for their cruelty, say, hey, God's going to judge you, God's going to destroy you. That would obviously cause a little fear. But down deep in this message was actually God's love. It was just like parents. I'm called at times to be the judge and the jury and cast judgment on my boys. Hey, can't do that anymore. But it's always in a course correction. And that's what God's judgment here on Nineveh was. He was trying to get them a course correction, come back to what's good. So we see God sending two messages here. One's a tough love announcement of, hey guys, if you don't stop all this wickedness, you'll soon be judged and found guilty. And the other message was a love for the least likely. They were the least likely, the list of people that you would least consider that would go to God, that would ever change. And they were the least like Jonah. And so sometimes we too need to stop and ask ourselves, maybe has God placed somebody in one of our circles at work, in our neighborhood, at the grocery store we go to, that maybe we just have written off as the least likely or least like us, but maybe God has something in mind with us, just like he did Jonah. The mission, like we said, was a simple get up and go. That was what Jonah was called to do. Get up and go with a simple, well, not necessarily simple, hard message to give. It was similar to our get up and go that George and I received 20 years ago. Uh, before four boys, George and I got up and went to Ecuador, made Cuenca, kind of the Estes Park of Ecuador, our home, adopted in and out of our home different people, like Donnie that you see there pictured. She's been the older sister to our boys. And we've made it home now. But there was a moment when we had to, just like Jonah, come to that yield sign and decide, hit our pause and say, God, is this really what you're saying? Is that where you're calling us to go? There wasn't that option of you turn back around. We went and we've stayed now and God has blessed us and blessed a lot of Ecuadorians. Jonah, on the other hand, like you see, said, but Jonah. And so here in Jonah's call, we see a clash of wills, a clash of wants. God sometimes calls us out of our easy and comfortable place, out of the people we've known, to a harder place, to a harder people, and sometimes to a harder assignment. You may think it was hard for Jonah to go to announce judgment, destruction, but that wasn't the hard part. Jonah had been traumatized by these cruel people, and so he actually wanted to see these people destroyed. He probably quietly in his heart was like, God, can you just do a repeat of the Sodom and Gomorrah? Just destroy that city. Wipe them off the map. Because Nahum, the other prophet, actually wrote all the injustices, evil plots against God, exploitation of the helpless, cruelty, idolatry, witchcraft. So the list just went on and on. Jump's like, they don't even deserve have a chance. The other hard part of going there was what Jonah knew about God, which we'll find out a little bit later. So let's continue. So Jonah was called to get up and go to a place of people he literally hated. To a place and people he would have just seen wiped off. So what does Jonah do? What does fidgety Jonah do with this yield point that God sent to him? Jonah tries to, what did he say? Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. Tries to hightail it out of there. Tries to find a ship and just sail in the opposite direction. With this message and mission that God had given him, Jonah just wrote it off as mission impossible. God was giving... Jonah glimpses into his heart, but Jonah just wrote that off right away. 
God was trying to send Jonah into something God wanted. But Jonah had other ideas. So it provoked this clash of wills. How many of you have had a clash of wills? A battle of the wills. Husband, wife, dear child, neighbor. What Jonah wanted and willed versus what God wanted and willed. Guess who won that battle? God wants Nineveh to actually respond. He wanted them to have a chance to hear, even through a hard message, even through a tough left message. The pending judgment was coming, but there was a chance for them to respond by repenting, by turning back, and then receiving what God wanted to give them. What God wanted flowed from a heart of love for all people, for the least likely, versus what Jonah wanted flowed from his heart of fear and hate. Jonah wanted Nineveh to suffer for all the suffering they had caused. So let's see how it turned out. Most of us know the story. Desperate situation called for desperate measures on many levels. This battle of the wills bring Jonah to a critical point in his path that he alone was responsible to decide about. How he was going to respond to what God revealed to him. That's why it's a yield. And we all have our own yield moments. Where God tries to get our attention, tries to arrange something, tries to announce something. But we have to decide what are we going to do with God's arranging and announcing in my life. Is he going to ignore that yield sign and take his U-turn? No, I'm out of here. Or is he going to go ahead and merge with what God's doing? Those yield moments are when God invites us deeper into his purpose. He wants to birth his purpose in our life, inviting us to join in his message and mission. For us, it was down in Ecuador. For you, it might be just around the corner, down the street, in the grocery store, at the school, in your job place. We too, like Jonah, are responsible. Responsible means we are able to choose our response, how we're going to respond to this moment. So are we going to accept and adopt into our life, into our path, into our agenda, what God's doing? Or like Jonah, are we going to try to avoid and abort? Interestingly, Jonah was not responsible for how the Ninevites were going to respond. God didn't tell Jonah, go and make sure they repent. Make sure they fall on their knees. Make sure they put on sackcloth. Make sure they seek me. No. All he was responsible for was to get up and go and say that short message, God is sending judgment. That was what he was responsible for. We aren't either. We weren't responsible for how other people will respond. We are responsible for what God asked of us, which was for Jonah, get up and go. We probably have to get up and go as well. We see here Jonah wasn't too keen on what God had revealed, so his response was to hightail it out of there. Just as God announced to Jonah to get up and go and try to arrange that trip, God had a plan B. How many of you have had a plan B, plan C, and different things that change? No? God here has a plan B. Okay, Jonah, if we're going to do this, I got a plan B. So now God arranged. Let's read a little further in verse 4 and 6. But then, since Jonah tried to sail off to Tarshish, starting verse 4, Jonah 1, the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, you think in the moment that we would find Jonah most fidgety in like a Category 5 hurricane? Where's he at? We found Jonah asleep. And the captain goes down there. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up. Pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. So then a little bit later on in the story... Jonah's like waking up, what's going on? 
Finally, the crew members are so desperate, they start casting lots. Who is the culprit here? Who's guilty? A lot of times the question I ask the boys, when all the boys are like, no, not me. <laughs> They're not as quick to confess like Jonah was. Jonah, finally we see in verse 12, say, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So finally we're seeing Jonah recognize a little bit what God's doing. Just throw me in the seat. But he still wasn't willing. He didn't say, oh, just turn back around, drop me off in Nineveh. I know that's where I'm supposed to go. No, just throw me in the seat. I'm done. He still didn't recognize fully what God was doing. But he did a little bit. That at least it was his fault. And so the soldiers, instead, what did the soldiers do? Verse 13. The soldiers rode harder to get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent. They couldn't make it. So then they cried out to the Lord. Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death O lord you have sent this storm upon him for our own good for your own good reasons so then the sailors picked up jonah threw him into the sea and the storm stopped at once what happened the soldiers or the soldiers the sailors were awestruck by the lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him and so we see even though mission plan a of going to nineveh was aborted for a second God sends the same message and mission now to this group of soldiers, sailors, sailors, and they believe. And so God, I love how our God uses our goof-ups, our mess-ups, our detours, our delays, and he can use those still for good to bring people, again, the least likely. What's something that maybe you need to say, God, yeah, I've kind of been on hold with you. Maybe it's time for me now to listen to what you want here in this moment. Who's that somebody? Who's that sailor in your life? For us, that awestruck moment, because there's people just desperately waiting for, and maybe it's not going to be an awestruck, like there's a category five hurricane, and then it just calmed down. And the soldiers were awestruck and started serving. But for us, those moments came when we were able to organize our youth camp after we had had a pause because of COVID and couldn't meet. But this year, we finally were able to organize another youth camp. And many of the youth there that came from all the major cities in Ecuador were able to finally sit and just experience God, his love, his message for them, hope for their situations. A group of eight of the gals that came from the group home in Quito had never left Quito, had never left their really hard places in Quito, but they were able to sit on the beach and just say, wow, I don't want this to ever end. These have been the best three days of my life because I finally see that God actually knows me and loves me. But now I know I can carry that back to Quito. Others, we started in neighborhood group homes. There's five nationalities represented around that table. And so it gives us a slice of heaven of just reaching out to people wherever they're at, wherever they come from, and letting them know that there's a God. And the women's group, I wear this bracelet a lot, is from Hulit. She gave it to me at one of her moments where she was just like, I'm done with life. I'm almost done with my marriage. I'm done with my kids. I can't do it anymore. She wanted to hightail it out of her life. And we were neighbors, and God told me, it was as simple, get up and go over to your neighbor, knock on her door and invite her over for coffee. And I did. She said, Sherry, that day was my change point where I knew somebody, God sent you, and I knew somebody was listening. And now we've, I've been able to disciple her, disciple her over these last like five years. And now she's leading a lot of my women's groups. And so sometimes our get up and go is to, yeah, a faraway place, a hard place like Jonah. Sometimes our get up and go is to our neighbor. 
So let's continue on a little bit in the story and see what God had arranged for Jonah with his plan B. And so finally, Jonah's now sinking. They threw him over. He's sinking to the bottom of the ocean. The sailors are, wow, believing in God. Now what is God? How does he in this part of the story? Well, we're now in the end of chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days. Now we're on to plan C. Now we're in the belly of a whale. Some people, how many of it is hard for you to believe that this story actually happened? <laughs> right? It's like hard to get our minds around that this actually happened. It's like, oh no, that's just one of those kids' stories they tell in kids' life. God just included that in the Bible for the kids, no? <laughs> no, but this is actually in the Bible that God allowed for it to be inspired word of him. That is, we have to grapple as adults that this actually happened. It took place. Because even Jesus in Matthew 12, at the end of that verse, he uses Jonah saying, Jonah is going to be a sign in the Ninevites. Because what happened to Jonah being those three days in the belly of the whale and then he was fed is what's going to happen to me. And so Jesus even used this as an example. So we have to grapple that this actually happened when we're reading this story. Because I think we all have our Jonah moments, no? If we're honest. And so what do we see? The whale swallows Jonah up and now he's inside this fish for three days and three nights. Kind of a camp out. Don't know if it got a five-star review or not. Probably not. But it did get a mission accomplished. Because finally in chapter 2, if you continue on in chapter 2, we finally see Jonah getting real with himself and with God. Chapter 2, I'm just we're not going to go through the whole thing, but it says Jonah's prayer. He finally, we see cry out. He feels called out because he was sank to the bottom. And so if you look at this prayer, and if you ever find yourself at just rock bottom, this is a good prayer to kind of land on. We see Jonah at his rock bottom, ocean bottom place, an SOS cry for help. But only after being swallowed alive by a whale. Remember the captain had asked Jonah, hey, get up, wake up, pray to your God. Maybe he's going to pay attention to us. So he had a moment to pray back then. But it took a whale swallowing him alive. What's it going to take for you, for me, to acknowledge how desperately we need God and to cry out that he alone can save us, rescue us? Jonah had to hit the whale bottom. What's engulfing you? What's drowning you these days? What's something that's you're trying so hard to row on your own strength to get back to shore, but you just got to say, you know what, God, I need you. Only when Jonah felt like his life was slipping away did he remember and turn back to God. In verse 4, we will read that one, verse 2, 4, chapter 2, verse 4, is a really critical point here. He said, then I said, oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Verse four is critical because at first Jonah's blaming God. You drove me away. But who actually decided to hightail and go the opposite direction? What God? Jonah. But he does say, yet I will see. I will look once more in your holy temple. And so there's hope. Jonah believes that he's actually going to make it out of the whale alive. That he'll be saved. And then that's how his prayer ends in verse 9. I will fulfill my vows to you. And so we see now a change of heart. I will go now do what you say. For salvation comes from the Lord alone. And so then what did God do? After finally Jonah got to that sincere, honest place, verse 10, the Lord ordered the fish to spit him back out onto the beach. 
Jonah had been assaulted by inner chaos, outer chaos. His avoidance patterns led him to abort mission. And finally, when he was able to sit still long enough with God and acknowledge what he's really going through to reach back out to God, then he experienced God's grace and love again to finally say, okay, I'll go. Then we get into chapter three. It's basically a copy and paste of chapter one, but this time with a slightly changed Jonah. It's a redo. Many times I tell my boys, ah, 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 let's back that up and redo that. How you told me that, that was kind of a little disrespectful. Or what we just did there, so let's do a redo. And I give them a redo. And we see God giving Jonah a redo here. A second chance. How many of us like second chances? And so we see that. And so let's read the first five in chapter three to get a little picture of his second chance. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, what did Jonah do? Obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. So a little bit bigger than Colton. <laughs> On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh, what? Believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And so Jonah went, did what he was told to do, just deliver this short message. I love how it's like, wasn't a three-point sermon outline with the introduction and inclusion? It's like, hey, God's going to destroy you guys. And they believed. Again, when we are faithful to do what God asks, God does the rest in people's hearts and lives. We still see him a little reluctant, a little like, because it's like, this time he did obey, but that's all I'm giving you guys. God's going to destroy you. But it calls us to ask, what's our next step of obedience? This time, Sherry is, this time, Pastor Tim is, this time, Mary is, what's that next step for you? That next step that God's showing you. Because when we obey, we're actually showing the world around us that we believe in our living God and we show his life and love in that next step of obedience. So what's your next step of obedience? And then the people responded to what Jonah revealed from the greatest to the least. And every time someone responds, the greatest, the kings, the presidents, to the least, the girls in the orphanage that we showed earlier that almost everybody's written off, forgotten about, it moves God's heart. And he changes his mind. Let's read. Now let's skip on to verse 10 in the end of chapter 3. So when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. He loves us that much that he'll change his mind, that it moves his heart. And that's what we are seeing now in Ecuador. George and I went alone, just as a couple, four boys, can't even hardly remember those days. <laughs> but he gave us four boys and lots of adoptive Ecuadorians into our life and into our home. And now we're getting into soccer, the soccer down there. And we have tons of youth over. But each and every one of them, when we're able to live and show and tell of God's love, it moves God's heart. And that's what we have to remind ourselves, each person is important from the greatest to the least. 
And that's why we encourage our boys to be salt and light on the, off the soccer field in NAV youth group. One sign of love down there in Ecuador is you see, it's like, why is everybody trying to push that guy's face down? It was his birthday. And down there, they celebrate birthdays with, they call muerde la torta. You have to take a bite of the cake and everybody just shoves your face in the cake. And that's actually a sign of love. And I said, no, we love you that much. That's why you got cake all over your face. But wherever we're sent, Jonah to Nineveh, us to Ecuador, you to your neighbor, is because God wants this world to know that he loves them. And he's inviting them back to him. And so we see Jonah finally acknowledging, okay, first I can't run and hide from God. Tried that, been there, done that, doesn't work. He had to learn that the hard way. Second, I better do what he's given me to do, which is have a message and a mission. Since I did say when I was in the belly of whale that, okay, God, I'll fulfill my vow to you. And so it's kind of his like, how many of you have had that moment sometimes where you're just like, fine, I'll do it. Yes. Okay. okay. I get that a lot from my four boys. Fine, mom, I'll wash the dishes. And Jonah's kind of saying, I'm fine, I'll do it, but I'm still not very happy about this. But I made a vow. Even in marriage, if we're honest, no? Jordan and I have had our fine forgive you. We'll keep trying. If we're honest, no? And so Jonah's there at that place because he finally acknowledged, okay, God's doing all this arranging, announcing. He's finally seeing it. And so he's starting to accept and adopt it for himself. He anchors himself back to God. And so they all live happily ever after. <laughs> oh, not true. And so we'll end here in chapter four. Let's go ahead and read one through five, one through four. This change of plans, remember God changed plans, not going to destroy Nineveh anymore. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. How many of you get a little upset, a little fidgety when you have a change of plans? All of us probably. So he complained. How many of us complained to the Lord about it? Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this? That's why I, that, remember, I told you, he knew something about God. And that's also why he was reluctant to go, didn't I tell you you were going to do this, God? That's why I ran away. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And you were eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now. Because you didn't kill them, so just kill me now. I'm done. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predict is not going to happen. And just... As God knows exactly what we need, right where we're at, instead of saying, ah, Jonah, get yourself, come on, pull yourself together, get on out there, go disciple all these Ninevites. What did the Lord do in verse 4? The Lord replied, he has those questions for us that just make us ponder, just make us sit. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And I love Jonah. He's like, went out on the other side of the city, tried to build a shelter, because he's like, well, maybe, just maybe. God changed my mind. Maybe I'll change it back and really destroy this guy. I'm going to sit and watch if this destruction is going to happen. And so when he's sitting out there just kind of stewing, pout, having his pout session, and he's, it's, I, Nineveh was northern Iraq, okay? So it's hot desert. So he's just sitting there scorching, like hot Kansas, 105, full humidity. God, in verse 6, God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread out its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. And so we still see God finishing up, arranging a worm, a plant, and a wind to talk to Jonah. Now it's a message for Jonah. 
So we see God giving something Jonah, something he needed, shade, refuge. And so this eased Jonah's discomfort. Jonah's very grateful now for this plant. But then, verse 7, God arranged for a worm. The next morning, at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for then a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. And the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. <sighs> He's back now again at death is certainly better than living like this. So then God said to Jonah again, is it right for you to be angry because this plant died? And I love Jonah's response. He's probably one of the most honest, authentic people in the Bible. Well, yes, it is actually okay that I'm angry about this, God. Enough to die. Because this plant died, now I just need to die too. And that's something that I love about the Bible. We actually all need to give ourselves permission to have those just real Jonah. This is where I'm at. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm pouting. I'm confused. I don't like what you just did there. Help me out. And God will send probably a question to you that you need to just sit and ponder with. Maybe it's the same one. Are you really angry? Frustrated? Confused still about that? Sit with me on it. Because then we need to come back to that place where Jonah remembered. I knew you were God that slowed anger, merciful and compassionate, and that you really don't want to destroy anyone. And that's what we also need to remember. All these times are for us to come back to that, anchor ourselves to that reality of who our God is. So let's be a people that remember all that God has done and who he really is. Because that's our motive to get up and go every morning. And then however we do it, in millions of ways, millions of places, a million people live that message of who our God really is. And so I'd like to end with how God has allowed us to do that in recent years. We've been there now 20 years, okay? And as we've gone, it took a while for us to just grow roots there, make a home there. And now we're seeing, as we acknowledge what God has go to Ecuador. And we accepted and adopted people into our homes, our lives. You see, Donnie there is in the white shirt, uh, surrounded by people from India. She went on a short-term trip to India. But we adopted her into our home about the age of Nathan when she was about 14 years old uh, because her parents were going in through a nasty divorce. And uh, we kind of took her under our wing just to let her have a safe place to live and process life. But then we were able to disciple her during that time. And then God put his own get up and go now. First, it was just around South America to Brazil, another place, Colombia. But now she has a heart to get up and go to Turkey, a hard place in the Middle East. And she's went on a two-month internship. This necklace is from Turkey, these earrings. And I wear them as a reminder of when God told us to get up and go and leave our sweet sunflower state of Kansas. Everyone that has a jersey, I'd like you to stand up. We were called out of Kansas to go to Ecuador. And then since we went to Ecuador, Donnie now is in Brazil studying, finishing her seminary, her university studies, doing trips there even to the jungle. And then one day she'll be called, she's going to go to Turkey, okay? And then recently, because of Donnie, we were able to meet Matias and Adlai, the other couple pictured there with their little baby, and we hosted them as interns this past spring. He's from Argentina, Messi. <laughs> and she's from Mexico. I didn't have a Mexican one, but they're also with the call to go um, to Egypt, okay? 
They're in the Middle East right now. Okay, and so you can see. And then we also had other interns from Peru that lived with us. They're now in the south part of Ecuador in Loja. And so you see how when one person moves, how it moves a whole string of people. And that's how your life can be too. When we get up and go and say, yes, God. So let's pray. I want to give you a moment. God, I know, always has something for each of us. It may be just a personal, hey, you need to have that sit down. I don't want to throw you in the belly of a whale, but I will if I need to get your attention. Maybe it's just that's what you need to hear. I need that personal, i got to sit down with God and really wrestle with sons. Maybe it's a husband trying to get that attention, like get up and go to your neighbor. Or get up and go on a short-term team, like, or get up and pack a box. So let's just pray and have that moment with God. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't grow tired of us. You didn't grow tired of Jonah in all of his range of emotion, from fear to anger to frustration to confusion. You still were there with him. And I thank you for you, that you are a God like that. And I thank you that you are a God also that showed your heart for the least likely, the people that had done unimaginable things to your own people back then. You still wanted them to also hear and know you and be rescued. And you have that for each of us. Maybe we're at that point where we got to wrestle some things out with you. I pray you'll speak that into the hearts. Just invite each one into that. Hey, sit down with me. Pour it out to me. I'm here to listen to you. Or maybe it's, hey, it's time. I'm going to call you out. I want you to get up and go with this message. Because we have a world that is so broken and divided and so desperately in need to see glimpses of a God that still cares, can still rescue, is still seated on his throne. And so in this minute of silence, God, just continue to speak to each heart with exactly where each one's at. And I pray all of us will be a people that accept that this is a yield moment and we yield to you and say yes to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Sherry. Let's just uh, express our appreciation to the Lord. In response to her message this morning, Maybe the Lord did speak to you. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe like Jonah, it's not the place you want to go or the thing you want to do. But if the Lord has spoken and you are willing to say, God, I will do what you want me to do. If the Lord spoke to you in some way, shape or form, would you just stand up this morning? As it, where, where you're at in your seat, it could if, if you know what it is, and, and God said it could be simple, it could co be complex, but if God has spoken to you in any way, shape, or form through the message this morning, I was going to ask Brian to come up and give us some sound effects as we have one more word of prayer. In uh, just a few 
I guess it's a year, but their oldest son, Daniel, right? Has got some decisions to make in terms of where to go to school and where the Lord would lead and using gifts and talents to serve. Just a few weeks, I've got three kids of my own that are going to be going to college. Tina's praying about going into the mission field. Brian plays some background noise if, if the Lord has spoken to you today. And God, sometimes like Jonah, it, it's not what we want to do naturally. It may not be the first place that comes to our minds to go, but when we hear a distinct call from you, or maybe it's an issue of obedience to your word, our minds, our natural eyes don't always gravitate toward what you want, God, but we know that you've called us to be obedient. To do what you've told us to do and not responsible for the outcome or the result, but, but to leave that to you. God, maybe you'd move some of us in this room to go to places to minister to people that need to be reached. Maybe you'd call us to respond to a life of Christian service or, or to step up in an area of ministry. God, maybe there's someone we need to forgive. Whatever it would be that you're speaking to us this morning, God. I just pray, Lord, that as you give us the grace, we're saved by grace through faith. The grace that extends salvation because of what Jesus did on the cross. He died for our sins. He arose from the dead. Through your power, God, that is now at work in us who believe. Your grace also strengthens us and sustains us. It gives us the desire and power to do your will. And I just pray, Lord, that you would empower your people. I pray for those standing here this morning who've sensed a call from you. Give them the strength to do that, even when they want to go the other way. Help us, Lord, to get up and go. And I thank you, Lord, for how you're moving this morning, for this message, and for this time of worship together. I ask a special blessing once again on the Works family. Despite the joy and the excitement, the testimonies and the praise, like Jonah, it can be discouraging whether it's being involved in ministry and living in a foreign land or, or whether it's sometimes going home and facing what's in front of us. It, we, we can feel joy here and discouragement later on. Help us, Lord, not to give up, but to see your goodness. And I pray that those who are obedient to you will see the blessing and reap the reward. God, you are faithful and you will do it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've all had a special time worshiping the Lord together and encourage one another as you leave. Thanks for visiting us online as well. And uh, Lord willing, we'll see you next week. God bless.